0: This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com masters. Hey entrepreneurs, my name is Felix and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. In the last episode, you heard from product director Brandon Chu on Shopify's latest integration with Amazon and how you can take advantage of it. On today's episode, you'll learn from a successful e-commerce entrepreneur that's built and sold more multiple e-commerce businesses and now works with hundreds of store owners. In this episode, you'll learn what kind of products do well on Amazon, how to build a high-converting product page on Amazon, and how to use Amazon paid ads for more than just driving traffic. Today, I'm joined by Andrew Udarian from ecommercefuel.com and the eCommerce Fuel podcast. And we've had Andrew on previously to talk about his experience starting and selling e-commerce businesses and uh, his most recently sold store, Right Channel Radios. Uh, definitely recommend checking out the previous episode with him. We went to lots of great topics. Again, for anyone that's really interested in hearing what it's like to build and eventually sell a business, I think that's a great episode for you to listen to. But today, we're going to have him come on to talk specifically about Amazon and to hear his uh, tips and advice and his experience and working with so many other entrepreneurs that are selling on on, uh, on Amazon. Have him come on and talk about what it's like and how to build a successful business on Amazon. So welcome, Andrew.
1: Hey, thanks, Felix. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Yeah, for sure. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about um, your background for anyone that hasn't heard that previous episode. Just give us a refresher of all the businesses, all the e-commerce stores that you started and uh, kind of your evolution uh, through, through e-commerce as an entrepreneur.
1: So my background in e-commerce is I got in full time in 2008, uh, started a CB radio business called Right Channel Radios uh, Online. In 2010, started a second business called trollingmotors.net, uh, again, e commerce, drop shipping based, and uh, sold those, uh, sold Right radios this year, sold trolling motors a couple of years ago. Um, so I've started and sold a couple e commerce stores, and then kind of along the way, started a, a community for high six and seven figure e commerce store owners. It's called e commerce fuel, uh, and I've been running that for, for about four or five years now. So that's uh, that's kind of my experience in a nutshell. In terms of uh, e-commerce,
0: very cool. So you obviously have a lot of exposure and heard and worked with many different sellers that are selling on Amazon, that are not, that are different stages of their business on selling on Amazon. Based on what you've seen, uh, what is uh, I guess what does success look like on Amazon? Like what should people expect if they open their their one of their sales channel into Amazon? Maybe they already have an existing store. What does Amazon do for your for for a business?
1: It, it, in terms of what it does for a business, it's just, I mean, it's its the biggest force in e-commerce, you know, in 2017. its uh, It gives you access to just an enormous market of customers uh, that are comfortable buying on the platform, that search for products on the platform. Um, yeah, I think I think that there's more, I'm trying to remember the stat for sure, but I think there's more product searches starting on Amazon now than there are on Google, which is crazy. Um, and so, yeah, uh, yes, I mean, it just gives you access to in terms of what it can do for your business is it can just, it can blow up your business if, you, if you're the right kind of fit for an Amazon uh, to use that platform and it can help you scale in a really efficient manner. So uh, especially if you're using something like FBA, Fulfillment uh, by Amazon, you can really dramatically increase your sales without having to increase your warehouse or your staff or your overhead or anything like that. So it allows you to scale up with access to a massive marketplace is it's, it's the, the big upside.
0: Mm-hmm. And for any sellers that, are, that, that you've seen approach Amazon and approach opening that up as a sales channel for the first time, or do they have to approach selling differently or any other processes in their business that they need to reevaluate uh, prior to launching their, or expanding into Amazon?
1: Yeah, you've got to, you know, it's not a great fit for everybody. I'd say the biggest thing is I'd say Amazon's a great fit for someone who obviously wants to grow their channel, their business, and has something unique to sell. Um because you are on there competing with, you know, because it's such a massive marketplace, there's a lot of competition there as well. And so if you're just trying to resell someone else's widgets that you can drop ship or even buy in bulk, yeah, chances are there's going to be dozens, if not hundreds of other people trying to sell those exact same widgets. And you leverage something like FBA on there where it's really easy to, of you know, to run the operational side of the business, and you get into some pretty nasty price wars. So you do need to think one, you need to think about how am I bringing something unique to this marketplace? Because if you are, it's an incredible uh, it's an incredible way to move products. Um, the other thing is you need to think about uh, Amazon has kind of built a reputation, which is which is great if you're a customer, and it's also great if you're a seller, but you got to be careful that they put the customer, you know, number one with, you know, unequivocally number one. And they have some pretty strict standards for how quickly you have to be able to respond to customer emails, how quickly, you know, what kind of things you have to accept as returns. The customer is almost always right at Amazon. So you got to get used to that a little bit. uh, And you also have to get used to the fact that you're building a business on someone else's property more or less on someone else's you know platform. You don't own the customer. Amazon owns the customer. And so uh, it's great because you can really scale up a business quickly and, and generate uh, you know a, a lot of sales and cash flow. Uh, but long term it's hard to build, you don't have an asset, you do have an asset you can maybe sell, but it's a much riskier one because you don't control the email list. You don't control the domain, right? Uh, You're not controlling the purchasing process and so there's some dangers there as well. But those are the things, kind of the big things you need to be thinking about uh, in terms of going to Amazon.
0: Gotcha. So I, I like that you said you have to have something to sell and I think it's an important thing also to note that there is a difference between being an inventor and being a business owner or an entrepreneur. I think maybe in the last uh, 10 years or so because there's been so much emphasis on people starting tech uh, startups or tech-based uh, businesses, there's this idea that you have to come to the market with something completely brand new every single time in order to survive. But are you talking about unique as in like uh, a, a product that doesn't have a patent yet and you're coming with something brand new? Or are there other ways to be unique other than to bring a whole new product to, to solve a problem?
1: Yeah, you don't know. It doesn't have to be. You, you by no means need to have a patent to, to be able to list something on Amazon. Um, what I'm talking about is selling just without any kind of modifications or changes existing products. So, if for you know, I'm like, um, you know, from the CB CB world, if I tried to go and, uh, you know, we never got onto Amazon when I was uh, when I owned my CB business because there were just you know, again, dozens of other people selling the exact same antennas that we were looking to sell that had the exact same SKU from the exact same brand. Um, so it's. If really, I mean, for a while, there was a really big rush of people doing what's called private uh, private labeling, where they go mm-hmm. out, they'd buy a product. Uh, they wouldn't make any changes to it. They buy it from a factory or supplier, slap their brand and logo on it, throw it on Amazon. And at that point, if it was a decent product and you could market it well, you could do pretty well. I think that's getting a little, quite a bit harder, you know today after we've had you know two or three years of a lot of people doing that. Um, but at the same time, you don't have to reinvent you know the space shuttle from scratch. Uh, I know a lot of people go out look for products. On Amazon or in the market that uh, that sell well, but maybe have a couple aspects that people aren't happy with or complain about. Make a couple tweaks, which is much easier than completely redesigning the whole product. Then put their brand on it, and that's uh, you know that can be a viable way to get a unique enough product off to make Amazon work.
0: Okay, cool. So for anyone that is thinking about starting a business and going that route where they source a product that's not completely uh, where they want it to be, based on what they've seen from from customers, and then bring that onto Amazon, are there any I guess kind of uh, research that you can do to determine what you should be changing about a product that you could you know buy and rather than just slapping a, a, pro- a label on it actually make adjustments to like, how do you know what what kind of adjustments you should be making to an existing product if you wanted to bring it into amazon
1: yeah i mean a couple different ways if you have an existing business your 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 current customer base is probably a fantastic uh you know first place to start either chatting with them or if you're running a business you're, you're going to know the pain points the customers have and you're going to know to look at your top five best-selling items and figure out what the problems people have with them. Or even if you've got, you know, a business, look at the last, you know, 30 people to buy X product and spend two or three days and call them up. And it might be a little awkward on the phone for the first, you know, 10 seconds or so, but say, hey, I know you bought this, like you didn't review it. Are you liking it? What are the, what could be improved with it? That? That's one way. Uh, another way is to go into Amazon or other places and look at the reviews. Uh, see what... See what people like about the product and what they don't like about it. Uh, you know, and especially when people are complaining about stuff, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there to come out with a, a similar version that, that fixes those pain points. So it's going to vary for any market, but those are a couple that, uh, that can be effective.
0: Cool. Okay, cool. So obviously a unique product like you're talking about would do much better um, than a, a private label product where it doesn't have any enhancements at all. Uh, what about specific industries? Do you find that there are specific industries or specific categories that tend to do better on Amazon than, than others? Um,
1: You know, I, I'm sure there are. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the data enough across, across categories to know which ones do better. Um, I mean, Amazon is so... You can buy just about anything yeah. <laughs> on Amazon now. Uh so I'm sure there are, but I don't have the expert I, I haven't seen that to be able to definitively say, you know, one way or another.
0: Gotcha. Cool. So when you when you think about a seller's kind of strategy or approach to entering the market, does it always make sense to start on on Amazon, or is it something that you should expand onto later? Like, what order of of uh, I guess marketplaces should you enter? Start with your own, and then enter into Amazon. Or start on Amazon, and then eventually build out your own property. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no,
1: it's a good question. I think it depends on the on the market and your your product line. I'll give a kind of a high level, vague answer, and then give you one that's a little more concrete. Sure. Um, you know, if you're doing something that's, if you're selling something that's really handcrafted, um, and uh, the story is tied up a lot into that, uh, and you know, your website experience is instrumental to selling that product you probably want to get your website up first or at least you know a, a really solid version of that. But I'd say in most cases in 2017, like getting something up on Amazon, uh, especially if you have your own you know uh, proprietary line or at least branded line, that is where I would start for a couple of reasons. One, it's, you can get going faster. Uh, you don't have to build a website from scratch. You don't have to uh, figure out as much of the traffic issue. You've got traffic built in, at least on the search side. Uh, you can get traction more quickly with Amazon, uh, which can help you get feedback more quickly. It can help you start moving product more quickly. Um, there's a lot of, I mean, early on in any venture, getting you know, getting some early traction is important. So, so that would, for most cases, I would say start on Amazon, um, with the emphasis on being don't get so caught up with. If you do get traction, you do succeed on Amazon, you totally neglect your own uh your own proprietary branded site because that's gonna be harder to build up it's gonna take more work uh you don't have the traffic source built in but if you want to build something more defensible uh that's safer less risky long term and have control of your customers that's going to be the better place so kind of a long way of saying it depends but i would probably go amazon first and then start building up your own presence
0: yeah, that that makes sense that you're able to get a lot more traction early on because you don't have to focus so much on the, the traffic acquisition because Amazon has that built-in in traffic. Um, and you know, once you do have both of these running, where you have your own Amazon store and then your own store, or maybe not even Amazon, but some other sales channel that you're working with, it then becomes, uh, your your problems don't necessarily double, but your business does become more complex now that you have multiple sales channels. Uh, based on your experience or experience that you heard from others, are there any ways to help balance and, and manage the, these multiple sales channels that that you're not operating in? If you have Amazon or another marketplace plus your store,
1: yeah. So just what to, how how to how to make it a little bit easier to sell on all of these multiple channels? Is yeah, that what you're asking for sure? Yeah, I think um, one of the big issues you have is is you do run into managing different order flows coming. In. Let's to make it easy, let's say you're just selling on Shopify and selling on Amazon. Um so you've got orders coming in from multiple places. You have inventory issues uh depending on if you're doing FBA or if you're doing um you know fulfilled by merchant, where you sell on Amazon, but you actually package up the item and ship it out. So one thing that can help a lot is getting some software, uh you know, kind of it's called an ERP uh or an ERP type system. So something like ShipStation, Scubana, uh or Doro, something like that. And we could probably do a whole episode on you know what those different things do and in integrating them into your store. But at a high level, they help you manage orders from multiple sources, uh, so you'll have a single dashboard for your Shopify orders and your Amazon orders. Uh, they'll be able to sync up your inventory. So if you're selling on Shopify, Amazon, and eBay, uh, and you run out of product, you know, widget X, uh, that you know, information gets disseminated out to all the platforms, and so you don't sell a bunch of stuff you don't have. So that would be. That would be the big thing I would think about.
0: What I've seen some brands and maybe even some stores that are selling multiple products do is that when they launch on Amazon, they discount it heavily or they have some kind of coupon code just to build that that velocity that you're talking about. Have you seen this um, in your experience as well? Like, What are your thoughts on, on that approach?
1: yeah I think it again, I think I have seen people do that before, and are you talking, Felix? Are you talking about just build the velocity or for generating reviews or for both?
0: It seems to be for both where they are they're trying to generate the velocity, but then also asking people to you know to leave a review of course, and then I'm sure that helps as well with your rankings.
1: Yeah, so definitely have seen some people do it on the discounted front just for just for velocity. I've probably seen more people historically do it with reviews, uh, where you offer a very deep discount bordering on giving the product away for free uh, to generate reviews. But the problem is the last you know September-ish, uh, you know this fall, Amazon really cracked down on that uh-huh. and uh, incentivized reviews. At least the way most people have done them aren't allowed anymore. Um, so yeah, I have seen that um, more on the review side though, but. You can't do it as with reviews quite as much.
0: So yeah, for I've seen that happen too. I'm interested in seeing how that's going to affect their review systems because it's it's, it's people depend on it pretty heavily. You know, even when I do buy a product from a a, a brand from their store directly, I will go over to Amazon and just look at the reviews first. It's mm-hmm. almost like you're doing research on Amazon a lot of the times. Um, so I'm interested in seeing how, how brands can react to that. Yeah, it will be. It's I think you know looking at what people are going to do. Uh, with, without, cause I, that, that
1: was kind of the bread and butter, kind of the, the old original way to launch a product on Amazon was get mm-hmm. your product get it put online. Uh, get some, you know, kind of prime the pump, so to speak with, sure. you know, 10 or 20 kind of incentivized reviews. And then some people would, would do those long term forever. Uh, I, most of the people, kind of the, the savvier entrepreneurs I knew wouldn't do that. Cause it's, you don't <laughs> You know, you can you you can tell like when you 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 can land on an Amazon page and you know when ninety percent of them are incentivized reviews. It kills confidence, right? But at the same time, reviews were crucial for getting that initial traction, and so a lot of times people would get ten or twenty incentivized ones and then build organically on top of that. But going forward, it'll be interesting. There's uh, Amazon actually has something called the Amazon Early Reviewer Program where. More or less, it's the same thing as incentivized reviews, but Amazon is running it. So they'll pay people $1 to $3, I think, for for leaving a review. Uh, and of course, they can actually control it, and they know that they're not going to penalize people if they you know leave a bad review. So that's something that might be a potential alternative. There's Vine, which is Amazon's review program. Uh, but if you want to take advantage of that, I think you have to be a, a vendor central. like You have to sell in wholesale bulk to Amazon, which is not for everybody. Um, but I think ultimately... Uh, it'll also I mean it's good for the ecosystem also in that it just it's gonna make people make better products, right? <laughs> Which in the long run yeah. is not a bad thing.
0: So. For, for sure. So speaking of uh, you know, these incentivized reviews where you're a consumer and you see obviously that there's some bias going on, some kind of uh, stuffing of the ballot, I guess, to, to try to get the, the, that early traction. It is going to lead to a pitfall later on, like you're saying, because people are going to recognize this. The people aren't dumb and they can obviously see there's some kind of trend or something going on behind the scenes. Do you, do you know of any other kind of pitfalls, especially for that you, that you see some uh, entrepreneurs run into when they're launching on Amazon? Or running a business on Amazon.
1: Yeah, I think you know one of the big things is not keeping enough inventory in stock. This is something that happened to me. Launched a product on Amazon, and and it's tough because you launch a new product, you you're trying to balance two things. You're trying to balance your downside risk if it doesn't sell, and you're also trying to to balance the. The risk that it does sell really well, and you run out of stock. Because if you run out of stock on Amazon, it it just destroys. We were just talking about how sales velocity is, is what helps with your rankings. That kills your momentum. So if you can think about climbing a mountain, you run out of stock. Any progress you've made in the rankings, you fall all the way back mm-hmm. down to the bottom. So that that's a big one because it, it takes a long time to you know place a new order and get it get it back to your uh, fulfillment center or fulfilling yourself. Um, that's one uh, I think. You know, running into issues with uh, cash flow is another one. Um, a lot of people, especially if you're making something proprietary, people underestimate how much cash a successful product business on Amazon consumes. Because you have to be—if you're growing and you sell out of a thousand quantity, and your next order has to be for two thousand or three thousand—well, you've got to front the cash for that anywhere from three to six months before you can recoup it. And so you can be selling your stuff like gangbusters and have a major cash crunch. So that's another issue I I see. Um, I think a lot of people still are, are thinking they can sell kind of Me Too products where they can just because there's there's all this hype around Amazon like being a gold rush and there's so mm-hmm. much money to be made. Uh, and I think the days of being able to throw up a a product that's not differentiated, that's not unique, and being able to make it, you know, make money just just are over. Even if you're doing it on the private, you know, private label front, that's getting a lot harder. So those are some of the I think the pitfalls I see people falling into.
0: Mm. It sounds like a lot of it comes back to just managing your own expectations better and going to one of them is managing that inventory, the inventory projections a lot better. And obviously Amazon is going to be one of the big ones that can eat up a lot of inventory. But again, if you're on other uh, marketplace or maybe even just launching your product for the first time, getting that projection down right is, is very important. Uh, through your years of experience uh, managing inventory, are there ways to project better? Are there ways to uh, have data to understand how much uh, inventory you should be having on hand?
1: Yeah. And so to be totally candid, I have uh, my experience with managing inventory on Amazon is pretty limited due to a little bit of selling, but not nearly as much as uh, you know, the number of SKUs is pretty limited. And so you get into inventory management where you've got dozens of SKUs across lots of products. Uh, that's where it gets a lot trickier. Um, so yeah, there's definitely software out there that can help you do that. But I personally don't have any experience using some of that more in-depth software, but it is available and it can be very helpful.
0: Cool. And then speaking of um, uh, selling out too much, I, I think one of the keys, I think people always think that's a great problem to have. You're selling all your products, good problem to have. Um, and in order to do that, I think one of the keys is to have a high converting product page, um, to make a, a product page that, that gives all the customers exactly what they're looking for, but not too much. You don't want it to be overwhelming. Based on your experience or based on what you've seen, what are some keys to having a high converting product page uh, on Amazon?
1: Yeah, a lot of them I think are fairly straightforward, but it's amazing how many people don't do them. I was looking at a couple a product yesterday on Amazon that probably failed on 3 out of the 4 of these. Um First one is, I think, the, probably the biggest one is just awesome images. You know, high res, well done images that show all the aspects and facets of your product. That's that's huge. Um, and also, you know, just making sure that uh, you can enhance them as well. I think it's it's pretty helpful. Sometimes seeing the benefit driven little logos or or tags that that, that help you explain, you know, that help explain the visual aspects of a, of, a, of a product. So images are huge. A solid benefit driven copy is more important than you think. Um, getting in there and really spending a lot of time on on that copy. Solid copy always sells really well. Uh, reviews are enormously. I think for me, like I feel like something. Do you shop on Amazon a whole lot? A lot, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do a decent amount as well. And a lot of times when I'm scanning a category page, before you look at the copy, before you look at the images, maybe you see a thumbnail, but it's tiny, right? Um, you know, you're going to see two things, and I scan off of them. One is the title, so an important title that's very, uh, you know. That really focuses on the why your product is different, what it is, and why it's different. I think is crucial. And then secondly, is, are the reviews that you have, and those are the two things I scan for. Um, and Prime, you know, I, I always check the you know the FBA box. So those are the three things at a high level category I look for. Um, and we talked about reviews. Reviews are, you know, it's gotten more difficult to do those, uh, but those those are a fairly large facet of it too. Um, so those would be the the main elements. I would say uh, that you can, uh, you'd really kind of look to, to focus on uh, for a high converting, well-selling product.
0: Yeah, whenever I shop on Amazon, I if I already know or familiar with the product, familiar with the comp- the competitors, alternatives for the product, I would just look at the title like you're saying, maybe glance quickly at the photo, but I go straight down to look at the most helpful reviews, the positive and the negative. And the reviews most of the time will sell me enough that I don't even bother going back to read the product description just because I'm already familiar with what it. it's supposed to do and as long as the reviews... Especially if the reviews uh, tell me tell or are saying that they use that product specifically to solve the same problem I have it's golden for me i 'm going to buy it without even having to read any more from the seller directly, so definitely vital um, and one thing i've been seeing is that on some Amazon listings there'll be uh, you know a q and a section, but then also the opportunity for sellers to respond to um, comments respond to reviews themselves. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? you know whether it be on Amazon or anywhere public when customers are leaving feedback positive and negative do you recommend you know people that you recommend but like what's your experience been with answering these or replying to to these uh, these kind of comments and reviews
1: yeah I don't know if it I haven't heard a whole lot of talk about if it definitively plays into you know Amazon's algorithm with with how well you rank um, I don't know if anyone can answer that apart from you know if we can get an insider or mr. Bezos on but <laughs> but I think in just kind of general practice uh, on Amazon or your own site it's it's really important and it's a signal of to me it's a signal that the seller of this product is engaging with the buyers and cares about what people think about the product. Uh, it, it's it's nothing but a good sign unless you know you get on there and you rail against people, right? So, uh, empathizing with problems, uh, t- you know, thanking people for their suggestions, thanking them for buying it, anything like that. Yeah, it's, I can't see it as anything. Uh, then other than a good thing and potentially even a potential small it could be uh, you know something that ties into the ranking as well so one, one other thing uh, just a little aside that you mentioned about building like a high converting product page one thing I forgot to mention was um, one thing that's cool about Amazon is you can get in they have Amazon has its own built-in uh, traffic uh, kind of paid traffic system kind of like AdWords but it's within the Amazon ecosystem. And you can get in there and you can run uh, kind of paid advertisements where Amazon will just send paid traffic to your to your product page. You bid on it just like you would, you know, you can say, I'll bid $2 a click or whatever it is. And you can run it and collect data. And after, you know, a couple months, you can see what people, what search terms are driving the most profitable traffic. So you can see which terms, which keywords convert the best and which don't. And you can optimize your campaign. So it's not something you can do out from day one, but over time... If you invest a little bit in paid traffic, you can really just like you would with Google AdWords, be able to optimize uh, you know each product and each campaign for what converts the best, and that's another great way to, to be able to you know boost those conversion pages. So, oh,
0: well, that's a great idea. That it's not just to try to get that conversion right off the the bat, but just to use it to collect data, then you can use to improve your product page and and get that organic uh, conversions. Cool. Um, and uh, I, I want to switch topics a little bit and talk about something you mentioned earlier, which was uh, FBA, fulfilled by Amazon. Uh, can you say a little bit more about this? Or what kind of businesses have you seen uh, have success uh, using Amazon's uh, FBA program?
1: I'd say probably mm, 75 plus, if not you know, 85, 90% of people that I know that are seriously investing resources into Amazon are on FBA. Uh, it's... You know, it just makes it from a from a seller's perspective. Uh, there's a there's a it's hugely advantageous to be able to send in all your stuff and have Amazon do the heavy lifting in terms of storage and fulfillment. On the buying side, like we were talking about, Felix. You know, like. It's a filtering metric I use because you know we live in a world now, thanks to Amazon, where two days is a long time to wait for your package, right? Mm. So it gets it gets things to your customers more quickly. Um, so it's it's I'd say most people are using it. And were you asking what did you did you ask kind of what uh, when it makes sense to use and when it doesn't?
0: Yeah, I think that, that that's a, a great follow up question. Is that is it a, is something that you should get into right away when you are launching on Amazon to go through FBA or something you 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 tack on or improve uh, towards later?
1: You could. I mean, you could wait. I don't necessarily know why you'd, you'd want to. It's fairly easy to get stuff sent in, um, and there's a huge benefit in terms of conversion when you're using FBA. And most of your, uh, you know, most of your competitors are going to be even if it's not for a direct product. Uh, you know, people are going to be comparing your listing against others that they can get immediately for free. So I, I, I mean, there are some cases where maybe it doesn't make sense, but in, in the vast majority, I would say start from scratch. The only times I think it maybe doesn't make sense is if you're shipping. Uh, you know, enormous, massive products. Uh, But then that's, I mean, that's
0: just, you know, it's probably
1: not something you want to be doing anyway. (laughs) So I'd Mm -hmm. say, yeah, for most of the time, 90% plus, I'd start off with FBA out of the gates.
0: Very cool. So, you know, speaking of FBA, uh, we mentioned earlier that over the last uh, few years, there's been a huge push in private labeling and using FBA to launch on Amazon. We talked a little bit earlier about incentivized reviews also being a way to kickstart and build that early traction when you're launching on Amazon. And these are obviously, you know, trends that we've seen pop up. Or do you have you reckon? Or sorry, trends that you've seen pop up, but then also now starting to to enter more of a crunching phase. Obviously, with the reviews, you can no longer do that. Private labeling is becoming much more competitive. Are there other trends that you've seen on Amazon go through this cycle too, where it's kind of maybe on the on a, the I guess the downturn where you might not want to invest your next couple of years uh, pursuing.
1: Those would be the big ones that we kind of covered them. Uh, just the Me Too private label phase, and then the incentivized reviews phase. Those are those are the big ones um, that I that I see. I mean, I think the other one that probably is going to make a little bit more. Again, we touched on this already as well. Maybe become uh, something that you hear more of this year is is just the danger of building uh, your brand entirely on Amazon. I think it's probably going to get more common. There's a ton of, of course. There's an amazing amount of opportunity to be had there, but you just do want to be careful like anything. You don't want to put too many of your eggs in one basket. So um, I think having a good strategy where – because the last two, three years, people have just seen their businesses you know, in some aspects just blow up with Amazon, which is awesome. Uh, but taking a long-term approach, making sure that you also have a long-term plan to make sure you also uh, have your own website that can supplement that. I think that'll be something that people emphasize more, I think, in 2017.
0: Mm. Yeah, so, so speaking of of that, are there any other rising opportunities that you see happening uh, in the, like maybe in the early days with Amazon that, that, again, first-time entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that are thinking about launching into Amazon should consider pursuing?
1: Yeah, one thing, it's called enhanced brand content. And it's something that Amazon's rolling out here where you can add videos to a product page where you can add kind of, uh, you get more room to create your own custom kind of area, just like you would on your own site to be able to sell and display your products. And traditionally, that's been... We we've all went to Amazon and seen videos and really kind of um, you know deluxe product listings. But normally those are reserved for people who either are on Amazon exclusives, which is kind of a program that uh, is kind of a a selective program where Amazon brings in uh, certain brands, or for people who are selling products exclusively to Amazon wholesale. So how they have like a vendor a vendor account with them. Um, but this enhanced brand content is something that is getting rolled out by Amazon for regular sellers and. You know, it lets you be able to do all the things that I mentioned. And for now, I think in the early stages, I think it's free. They may charge in the future, but that's something where uh, you know, especially as it rolls out, and not everyone is taking advantage of the, of that. That's something I think that can give you a competitive advantage and a leg up over competitors who may not be aware of it or not implementing it out of the gates.
0: Very cool. So one other, uh, I think, really popular move. I think. 2016 was a big year for it um, but the, things have slowed down for it because, well I'll get into it first but the Amazon print on demand was a huge thing that I was seeing everywhere where there are a lot of case studies out there about how easy it was to essentially you know, launch a merchandise brand on Amazon have them printed, have them it goes through the FBA program as well so you don't touch inventory at all, you get a lot of traffic again from Amazon but that's slowed down because I believe Amazon has an invite only mode right now and it's uh, their maybe six months waiting six month waiting list uh, you don't have much experience with that but you do you did say you mentioned to me before uh, the, before today about how you, you do you have some experience or, or doing some research on outsourced uh, print fulfillment can you tell us a little bit more about this like what are your what's your experience with that what have you been able to find with that particular business model
1: yeah, and this is something where, uh, in terms of research, just a you know a long evening doing some research about, uh, yeah, I was kind of kind of starting up an on-demand printing art business for for some stuff, and so take this with a grain of salt because it has not been uh, you know again two three hours over a beer versus uh, you know three weeks of uh, in the trenches stuff, but you know, I was looking at like Printful, which is kind of has the same model as Amazon Merchandise on Demand, and I think it's I'm not sure exactly how the pricing looks on on the Amazon side for Printful, it was it seemed like the margins were fairly small and there's a lot of convenience to it, but you'd have to move a lot of product uh, to to be able to make it make sense. And also there's some downsides on potentially anytime you outsource something, uh, you've got some potential quality issues And, uh, you know, especially when, when the primary medium is t-shirts or art, that's, that can be something that can cause some problems. So I, it was something I thought about doing and and just kind of as a fun little experiment, but after reading some reviews and some case studies from people who had tried it, who had tried the outsourced fulfillment model in terms of the printing and and the graphics and then brought it in house uh, and also just the pricing that you get uh, when you hook it up directly. It, it it would be. I think I still might try it long term or initially because there's a low. It's very inexpensive to test out of the gates if I want to try a business like that. I think they're you know medium to long term. There's probably some good advantages to bringing that kind of stuff in house because you have more control. Your economics are better. It's not as convenient, but once you scale, uh, there's some some benefits to be had by bringing it a little bit closer onto your thumb.
0: Hmm. And you you mentioned that you had to be running large numbers for uh, print on demand uh, or print, print outsourced print fulfillment to to make sense. Can you say more about this? Is it because of the the smaller margins?
1: Yeah, and, and again, this is just I didn't do a ton of comparison shopping here, but I was looking at you know the services I was looking at. You sell a hoodie for you know a printed hoodie for forty bucks, and they wanted thirty bucks for it, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get shipping, and so. Uh, you know, you've got a, you to saw a lot of hoodies making $10 on a, you know, $45 item to, to, to make a pencil out. So that, that just kind of struck me as, as fairly low margins for, for the customization and the stuff you were doing. Again, it's, I mean, I don't blame them. If I was running a business like that, I mean, they're making it as easy as possible, mm-hmm. but. Uh, just the economics behind it made me think. You know, oh, this would be yes, a lot of hoodies to build up a, a good sized business with that profit model. So
0: for sure, it makes sense. Awesome. So thanks so much for your time, Andrew. Lots of great uh, information about how to be successful on Amazon. Uh, you know, again, you you uh, Andrew runs ecommercefuel.com com and ecommersefuel podcast. Highly recommend you check that out. What What are your plans? You know, because like we were saying before you sold off your right channel radios, which we talked a lot about in your in the previous episode we recorded with you. What, what do you Focused on in the next, uh, I guess, in 2017.
1: Yeah, uh, good question. And uh, I actually, to be honest with you, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm looking over a couple of things. I'm in this for the last, you know, sold the business six months ago. The last uh, six months since then, really focused on uh, running our private event and doing a big, massive overhaul of our community. And for the first time in a while, I've had the chance to kind of catch my breath. And so. Uh, I don't have a good answer for you. I'm looking at potentially getting another business up and running off the ground. Uh, also looking potentially on uh, maybe thinking about focusing on the community and trying to, to be a facilitator for our merchants there full time to serve them really well. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of excited. I'm just as curious as you
0: are. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, definitely check out ecommercefuel.com, the podcast as well, to stay up to date with Andrew. Anywhere else you recommend listeners follow along with uh, to, to see what you're up to? Yeah,
1: eCommerceFuel.com, uh, the podcast like you mentioned on iTunes, Twitter, at Uderian, Y-O-U-D-E-R-I-A-N, or at eCommerceFuel. Uh, those are the places where you can pretty much figure out
0: uh, anything I'm up to. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Andrew. Hey, thanks for having me on, Felix. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit Shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.